0: Good morning everybody. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tim Cantell and I'm the Senior Admissions Counselor at Tyndale. I've had the privilege of being part of this wonderful community for about 10 years now and I'm really honored to be able to share with you for a few minutes this morning. My text this morning is going to be from Proverbs chapter 8. I won't read it all up front but if I were to summarize the theme of the chapter, I'd say it's wisdom's plea to be heard. Now I realize I'm venturing into some interesting territory here, speaking about wisdom to a community of philosophers and scholars. Maybe that says something about my lack of wisdom right there, trying to do this talk. I consider myself a layperson at best when it comes to scholarship. but. What I do appreciate about Proverbs 8 is that it addresses the idea of wisdom at my level of understanding. Hence the title for my talk today. I'm calling it the Layperson's Guide to Wisdom. Now, because I am forever shaped by my one homiletics I took, one homiletics class I took way back, I have three takeaways from my look at wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8. Number one is wisdom wants to be found. Number two is wisdom tells us a lot about itself and what it looks like. And number three, true wisdom exists in relationship with God alone. Wisdom wants to be found. So, When my kids were young, one of the games they loved to play was hide and seek. What they loved even more was playing hide and seek in the dark. Any of you who are parents may recognize some version of this game. We wait until the sun goes down, turn off all the lights in the house and play this horrible game in complete darkness. I hate hide-and-seek. I'm a large man, and fitting into the best hiding spots next, is next to impossible. And then I'm in the dark, so I'm running into tables, I'm running into chairs, basically everything in the house while I'm trying to find some place to cram my body. It's just a miserable experience. So I quickly came up with the strategy that the best hiding spot for me was to climb in my bed, pull the covers over my head, and just lay still. It was comfortable, easy to do, and I may or may not have been able to get about a five-minute nap in. Usually, though, I was found pretty quickly by one of my kids, which you know was, of course, a plan all the way. In a weird sort of way, I think it might be the same with wisdom. Wisdom wants to be found. Wisdom is that obvious lump under the covers. Wisdom is the legs and feet you can see hiding behind the curtains. It's the grown adult like me hiding behind the smallest tree in the forest. Let's look at chapter 8 verses 1 to 4 as an example of this. It says, Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet she takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance she cries aloud to you O people i call out i raise my voice to all mankind so using key imagery here that is relevant to the people of the time they can associate wisdom with wanting to be found The high places, the points where paths meet, the gates of the city, these are all relevant examples to the people of the time. We are told that wisdom wants us to find it. Wisdom places itself in the most obvious of spots. We just need to know what it looks like. Which brings me to my second point. Wisdom tells tells us a lot about itself and what it looks like. In the next section of the chapter, we see a pretty clear description of what wisdom looks like, and also a little bit about the rewards of pursuing it. So the other week, I was sent to the grocery store to pick up some kimchi for a rice dish that my daughter wanted to make for supper. I didn't think much of it and headed over to the store, took some searching, but I eventually found the kimchi, grabbed the jar, paid for it, came back home, and proudly presented it to my daughter as a mission completed. Well, the look on her face immediately told me something was wrong. There was frustration, there was anger, there was disappointment, there was even possibly a few tears. You'd have thought I'd destroyed her favorite stuffy. But no, I'd gotten the wrong kimchi. I'd made a rookie mistake. Instead of asking for details about what brand and size I needed to get, I picked the first jar I saw. Instead of asking maybe to send me a picture, I'd just gone ahead with my quest to buy the kimchi at the grocery store, unaware of the horrible mistake I was about to make. Well. A second trip to the grocery store and the problem was rectified, but I learned my lesson. I needed to know what I was looking for before I went out and got it. So let's look at the the descriptions now that wisdom gives us about itself. In chapter 8 again, starting in verse 12, wisdom says, I wisdom dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. If there's a better description of what wisdom looks like, I don't know. What's interesting is that just as I finally benefited then from a delicious meal of kimchi rice after getting the right jar, the next part of Proverbs 8 also talks about the rewards or benefits once you find it, once you find wisdom. Starting at verse 15, we, we read By me kings reign, and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me princes govern and nobles all who rule the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold, At what I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me, and making their treasures full. Well, we may all not not end up being kings, queens, and nobles, as cool as that might be, What I believe this part speaks to is the stature of wisdom. While we may not receive literal gold, silver, or riches, our payoff for the pursuit of wisdom will be wonderful. Maybe even better than kimchi rice. Finally, true wisdom exists in relationship with God alone. Many of you who have been with Tyndale for a few years will remember we had a colleague in admissions and his name was OJ. Those of you who knew him know he's an unforgettable character. Years ago when we met for the first time and I was telling him about myself, he started calling me the OG of admissions. Now being out of touch with most things current, I had no idea what he was talking about. And I had to go look that up. What I figured it out was it was basically a nice way of calling me old. And actually, though, if you look up the meaning, being an OG basically means you're an original. You've been around since the beginning, and what you do and who you are is the standard on which all else is built. So while I was old, he may have been being a bit nice about calling me the OG. Weirdly enough, though, this is kind of the relationship between wisdom and God. The last section of Proverbs 8 establishes that relationship and tells us that outside of a relationship with God, true wisdom isn't possible. This is the standard on which everything else is built. Verse 22 said, The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works, before his deeds of old. I was formed long, ages ago, at the very beginning when this world came to be. Then the author goes on to say that every step of the formation of the world as we know it, wisdom was there. Every step of the way. In verses 30 and 31, then, there's an interesting note that even wisdom is genuinely excited and rejoicing in both the glory of God and the creation that took place. Verse 30 says, Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. What this feels like to me is that true wisdom is a special and unique gift that originates from the beginning of time. It is from God himself, and is possible and happily given to those who choose relationship with him. So, as we finish Proverbs 8, and I finish my talk this morning, I want to leave you with a few things. If you'll notice, I've been careful not to define what exactly I think wisdom is. I don't think I could even come close to doing that in the time we have for this talk. And I actually have a suspicion that the definition of wisdom is very personal and unique to each of us. While being grounded in the truth of Scripture and our relationship with God, it is at the same time situational and personal. And in the end, this is a mystery that I am very much okay with. What Proverbs 8 does say, though, is that we have a choice, and it's been laid out pretty clearly in front of us. We've been told wisdom is calling out for our attention. We've been given a pretty good idea of what it can look like and the rewards we can receive from pursuing it. We also know the origin. Wisdom has existed since the beginning of time, and outside Of relationship with God, finding it is impossible. Let's finish then with the last five verses of Proverbs 8, which serves as a final call. Starting at verse 32, it says, Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. And all who hate me love death. Let's pray. Lord, this is a great word. Thank you for the gift of wisdom, and thank you that it is available and accessible to us. And thank you that it comes from you. Lord, as we go about our day, as we teach, as we learn, as we fulfill our callings, please, Lord, help us to remember the source of all wisdom. And uh, may we walk in it, and may we give thanks to you for everything that you are and everything that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.